Amen. Well, good morning, everybody out there. Good to see you guys uh, digitally anyway on YouTube and Facebook. So thankful you're here with us. My name is Josh, preaching pastor here at Living Waters. So thankful you could join us on Palm Sunday. If you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open it up to the book of Hebrews. And I'm going to read a few verses from the book of Hebrews for our scripture reading this morning. And then we're going to go over to Mark's gospel and we're going to read Mark chapter 4, and we'll be in verses 35 through 41. So let's read God's Word together. If you have a copy of it at home, that would be wonderful to get that out at this time. Hebrews chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to us by his, the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35, it reads this way. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him in the boat just as he was. And the other boats were with them as well. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling up with water. And he was in the stern of the boat, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and he rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, Who then is this? And even the wind and the sea obey him. Praise God for the reading and the hearing of his word. Let's pray together and then dig into the scriptures that we are going to study together this morning. Father, we thank you and we praise you for who you are. God, we are coming to you as your children on Palm Sunday in a very unique circumstance. But God, we have the same need. We need your grace to pour out upon our hearts. We need your love, your mercy your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come infiltrate our hearts and our minds and our living rooms and our screens. God, we need you. So Lord, would you just show up in big ways, big ways that we're not even expecting right now. Holy Spirit, have freedom to move through this scripture in my heart and in the hearts of all who hear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we love being in control, right? 
Um, we love being in control of our lives. We love being in control of our schedules. Um, this worldwide pandemic that we're walking through right now is bringing us to our knees. And it's telling us that we're not in control. I mean, holy cow, we can't even control our hair anymore. Can I get a witness? Can I get a sofa? Amen. Can't even get haircuts anymore. Shout out to all of our hairstylists at church. You guys rock. And you are essential. Amen. Let's close in prayer. We can't even control our hair. We can't control anything. We are being told, we're being shown how little control we actually have. The rapper Lecrae said, we haven't lost control of our lives. We've lost the illusion that we were ever in control in the first place. So who is in control this morning? April 5th, Palm Sunday. Who's in control? The president? The media? China? No. And we all say a hearty no at home. Those people aren't in control. On Palm Sunday, what is important for us to understand is that there's only one person in control, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is in control. He's the king. Jesus is the king, and he is in control on this Palm Sunday. It's my heart as a preacher to help you see it, to help you feel it, to help you know it. Deep within your heart and soul and mind, I want you to know on this Palm Sunday that Jesus is the King. And the King is in control. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 1, first three verses, and we're going to look at Mark's Gospel. And when I say, hey, the King's in control, Jesus is in control, it's easy to say. But you might be at home saying, this is a really odd way of showing that he's in control. He seems to be out of control right now. Um, praise God that the Word of God has answers for our searching souls. And there's some big questions that probably come into your mind when I say Jesus is King and he's in control. And so we're going to look at those questions, just a few. I'm going to try to answer a few questions this morning for you. As you and I worship Jesus together, the first question is this. What about the coronavirus? If Jesus is the king and the king is in control, then what about the coronavirus? Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God. He, Jesus, is the exact imprint of his nature, and he, Jesus, upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus is upholding all things. He's the king. He's in control. God's word is going to say that he is upholding the universe by the word of his power, which means that he is the king on his throne in the good days and in the bad days. Have you ever read Ecclesiastes 7.14? Have you? Maybe it would be a good verse to look up as a family. Here's what it says. It says, In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider this. 
God has made the one as well as the other. Our king is on his throne and he is in control in the good days and in the bad days as well. Hebrews 1.3 says he's upholding the universe by the word of his power. The word for uphold there in the scripture, it means to keep from falling. It means to carry some weight and keep it from falling to the ground. Jesus is carrying the universe. He's literally carrying all of it and he's keeping it from falling to the ground. This is a present tense verb, which means it's continually happening. Jesus is continually upholding the universe by the word of his power. What this means is that Jesus is carrying every planet, every orbit, every star, every galaxy, every weather event, every cloud, every flight pattern of every bird, and every trip you take to Menards and Walmart. He's in control of it all. He's upholding the universe so that you can take that car ride. He's upholding you right now. Jesus is the king and he's in control and he's in control of the things that we can't see. Okay, so Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says that Jesus is in control of all things, both visible and invisible. Now church, can I tell you this morning that Jesus rules the physical that we see and feel and touch and taste, but Jesus also controls a spiritual dimension that we can't see. Can I get a sofa? Amen. He controls the things we can't see. And there's a lot that we can't see. So as we walk through a season of pandemic, I just want to tell you that it is a bad idea to look around at your physical circumstances and develop your forever theological convictions based on what you see. It's a bad idea. Don't look around at coronavirus season and say, I'm going to develop my forever convictions about who you are, God, and about what you're doing, God, because of what I see right now. It's a bad idea. Did you know our eyes can be tricked? Our eyes can be manipulated by the physical, can't they? Sometimes we look at the physical things around us and we say, these things make sense. I don't know if they make sense to me. But you have to understand that Jesus is the king and he's the king over the things we can't see. Our eyes can be tricked. Um, have you ever read about Elisha's servant, 2 Kings chapter 6? Have you ever read about that? So the king of Aram and all of the armies of Aram have surrounded the city and they're laying siege to the city and Elisha's servant looks around and he's freaking out just like we would. And he's saying, I don't, I don't know, we're going to die. As the armies surround the city, Elisha's servants goes to Elisha and he says, uh, Master, we're in trouble. <laughs> what are we going to do? What, what's going to happen here? And Elisha looks at his servant and he says, calm down. Those who are for us outnumber those who are against us. And the servant looks around the city and he says, there's, there's no way. You're crazy. And Elisha prays to the Lord and he says, Lord, allow my servant's eyes to be open to see. And as Elisha prays that, the, the, uh, the servant of Elisha has his eyes open to the spiritual realm around him and around the king of Aram and all of the chariots and all of the horses and all of the soldiers are divine chariots, chariots of fire, warriors of heaven, 
surround the king of Aram. And in that moment, God works a massive change in the servant's mindset. He went from panicking to confident. Because for the first time, he could see what God is doing. We need that. We need that story. Why do we need that story? Because if we just look at the physical, if we just look at what's around us, our eyes can be tricked by what we see to say, this pandemic, this crisis, this situation, we're done. But if we look at Jesus, we see our king is in control. We see that Jesus and his armies surround us this morning in Christ. Jesus and his armies surround the coronavirus. Can I get a sofa? Amen. Jesus and his armies surround the circumstances that we are walking through. The king is in control. You might not be able to see his armies. You might not be able to see his presence, but he is there. And we, by faith, must believe that our king knows exactly what he's doing. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. Can I get an amen? Greater is Jesus in me. Greater is Jesus in you than he who is in the world. Jesus told Pilate in Matthew 26, 53, don't you think that I could call to my father and he would send 12 legions of angels to come defend me? My kingdom is not of this world. Church, on Palm Sunday, we need to understand that Jesus has got the coronavirus surrounded. That doesn't mean we won't suffer. That doesn't mean it won't be hard. That doesn't mean that it won't be a difficult process for us to get through. What it means is that Jesus is surrounding the circumstance, and we need to believe him this morning. So that's question number one. What about the coronavirus? The answer is he's surrounded by Jesus. Question number two is, how is the king upholding all things? How is the king upholding all things? It says he's upholding the universe, in verse 3, by the word of his power. The king is upholding things by the word of his power. This word is not logos in the Greek. This word is rhema. This is a different thing. Jesus is upholding the universe by the the rhema of his power. You're like, Josh, what's that? What's the big deal about that? Here's the big deal. Rhema is different than logos because it is a spoken word of power. Jesus is emphasizing here that the word rhema, it, it, it means utterance. It's an utterance of force. It's a verb that has a utterance of force. When you say something really powerful, that's the idea here that Jesus is upholding the universe by the powerful spoken utterance of his word. And he's doing that every moment. This verb is continual in in its tense. So therefore, we see Jesus is upholding the universe by the word of his power. So every moment on planet Earth that it continues to orbit around the sun, it is a moment where Jesus is uttering his powerful word and he is literally holding the entire universe together. All created things hang on the power of Jesus' sustained rhema word. 
So this is cool. Because the word of the king that he uses to empower, strengthen the universe is the same word he uses to strengthen and sustain us. That's amazing. The same word that Jesus uses to hold all the atoms in place and to hold all the molecules in place is the same power that he uses to empower you and me. Here's what I mean. Jesus uses the same word in John 6, 63 when he said, the words, the rhema that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus uses the same word in Matthew 4, 4 when he said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our souls can only be carried and sustained by the powerful word of Jesus. Can I get a sofa? Amen. The only way you're going to make it today is to be sustained by the powerful utterance of Jesus Christ upholding you, sustaining you, bringing you to the next minute, the next hour, the next day, the next day. How are you going to get through this crisis? How are you going to get through this pandemic? The answer that our king gives is you're going to make it through his sustained The only way our souls are going to be carried and sustained is by the word of the King Jesus. Not the words of the White House. Can I get a sofa? Amen. Not the words of CNN. Our souls will not be carried and sustained by the words of Fox News. Our our souls will not be sustained and carried by the words of Disney Plus movies. Our souls will not be sustained by the words of sports commissioners. Our souls will only be sustained by the words of Jesus. Do you have his word in you this morning? Is his word sustaining you this morning? Church, we are being carried right now by Jesus' forceful word of power. We're being sustained. And I want you to watch because in the coming days, Jesus is going to carry us. He's going to carry us through this, and as he does it, we're going to give him all the glory because he is, obtain, he is obtaining our perseverance through his powerful, sustaining word. So the question is, how is the king upholding all things? The answer is by the word of his power. And finally, does the king care about us? If the king is on his throne and he's in control, does he care about you and me? That's where we're going to go to Mark chapter 4 for our answer. Because no doubt, in, in this, all the circumstances right now are, are tempting us every day to think that Jesus is not in control. If he is all-powerful, he doesn't care. Because if he cared, he wouldn't let us go through this trial. That's a thought that you've probably had. I've had it. If he is all-powerful, then does he really care about me? And so in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, we're going to look at Jesus where he displays both his amazing upholding power and his divine compassion. The disciples not only thought Jesus didn't care for them, they said as much. You can see it um, in the text. 
There's a great windstorm that breaks out. And in verse 38 of Mark 4, they wake Jesus up on the boat and they say, Teacher, don't you care? Don't you care that we're dying here? They questioned whether Jesus really cared or not. Jesus allowed the storm to happen in Mark 4 because he wanted to stir up the hearts of his disciples. Okay, so if Jesus is an economy, I know there's been a lot of news about economy in these days. If Jesus is an economy, when you come to Mark 4, the economy, the spiritual stock market of Jesus is booming. He's got huge crowds. He's healing everybody. He's teaching everybody. He's a master uh, um, leader. He's doing an amazing work. The disciples are loving life. They're loving it. The spiritual stock market is high. The profit margins are high. Things are good. Then you come to the end of Mark 4, and it is like the markets of Jesus plunge. The economy crashes. Can anybody relate? The spiritual stock market of Jesus is plunging. The economy is is crashing. The markets plunge and the waves come crashing in and the waves are crashing over the boat. You can see this in verse 37. The waves are breaking into the boat and the boat was filling up with water. And this storm was so huge that they thought, the disciples thought they were going to die. Now they'd been in a nice rhythm. The disciples have been in a nice rhythm. They're listening to Jesus' teaching. They're going and seeing his miracles. There is a lot of momentum. And then all of a sudden, they're going to drown in the Sea of Galilee. And they're wondering, is this how it's all going to end? This is kind of a bad finish. And so they got out of their normal rhythm. Their normal rhythm of ministry was rocked. Any of your normal rhythms been rocked lately? Then you can relate to this passage. The disciples were, you know, being stirred up by Jesus. They were coming to the end of themselves. And these were experienced fishermen who were crying out to Jesus and saying, Hey, please help us. Like the disciples of old, Jesus is stirring us up. Church, Jesus is breaking up our rhythms. Can I get a sofa? You said it. Amen. Jesus is breaking up our rhythms. The waves of a worldwide pandemic are crushing, crashing into the boats of our lives and we are feeling like we're sinking. The slumbering rhythm of our day has been the same of Luke 12, 19. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Eating, drinking, being merry, having a normal rhythm. Having marriages, weddings, funerals, jobs, athletics, extracurriculars, vacations, travel. Those are our normal rhythms that lead us into a spiritual slumber. Those are the things that we like. We we anticipate normal things happening over and over again. And this is the very rhythm that Paul dealt with when he talked about the uh, planting of the church at Ephesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32, Paul said that he had to deal with the cultural rhythm of Ephesus and he had to deal with people who were relaxing, eating, drinking, and being merry. And Paul went to share the gospel and people were like, you're interrupting my rhythms. 
I don't, I don't want to hear about Jesus. You're interrupting my life. And Paul said that he planted Ephesus with that context. And I would say the eat, drink, and be merry rhythm is the rhythm, the natural mindset and rhythm of every generation that has ever lived. We love rhythm. And we hate it when we are stirred up against our rhythm. Right now, we are being stirred up by Jesus. We're not looking for the trials, but Jesus is bringing them to us. And in the midst of that, he's bringing us through the trial for what reason? To stir us up so that we can cry out to him and say, Jesus, don't you care that we are perishing? He's moving us to a place of dependence. And when we come with humility and dependence and repentance and confession of sin, Jesus is going to show up big. Jesus is speaking his powerful and sustaining word. And he, gets, he wakes up, which is the most inappropriate thing to be doing, sleeping in the middle of a storm. You feel like Jesus is sleeping on you? Be honest. Jesus is sleeping in the middle of a storm and he wakes up and he, he goes to the winds and the waves and he says, peace, be still. And he stops it all. And he looks at the disciples in the eyes as if to say, yes, I care. And then he also looks at his disciples to say, where's your faith? Where's your faith? Jesus cares about the men in the boat. And he displays his miraculous, sustaining word to the water and the wind. Even the waves and the wind obey Jesus. That's amazing. And then Jesus looks at his followers and he says, Hey, have faith, boys, have faith. These guys were blown away. They're scared to death. (laughs) Who is this guy? Even the winds and waves obey him. Church, I want to tell you that Jesus will carry us through Palm Sunday, through Holy Week. Jesus will carry us by his strong and firm upholding word. And I want you to know he cares about you. He knows exactly what we're all walking through right now. He cares about you. Jesus Just like he spoke peace to the winds and the waves, he will speak peace to our souls this morning if we will allow him. Jesus calms the whirlwind. That's what he does still to this day. He calms the whirlwind of sin and chaos in the hearts of humans. Jesus still saves people. Do you believe that? Jesus Christ still saves people from their sins. We just had a 17-year-old girl give her life to Christ Last Sunday, praise God. Jesus Christ can calm the wind and the waves of the chaotic sin in your life and he can save you. Jesus Christ saves. Jesus Christ sustains. He brings beauty from ashes. Amen. Jesus is speaking peace. Think about all the things Jesus is doing right now that we would have never dreamed about a month ago. Jesus is working in marriages in such intense ways right now. Can I get a sofa amen, husband and wife? Come on. 
The Lord is working in so many husband and wives right now because you're being forced to stay together longer than you are used to. And by the grace of God, God is bringing about supernatural, sustaining connection. Jesus is doing that. Jesus is bringing parents and kids together in ways that have not been seen in a hundred years. Jesus is causing moms and dads to connect with their kids in ways that, and I'm not saying all these are spiritual things. I'm just saying it's happening. Jesus is doing it. Praise God. Jesus is deepening our souls in prayer. Shout out to the Living Waters prayer team this weekend. Killing it again this weekend. Praise God. Jesus is connecting people in new ways through technology. Thank you, tech team. Thank you, technology. Thanks, guys. Awesome. There are so many things Jesus is doing. He's bringing humility to people's minds. He's slowing down our schedules. He's bringing peace. He's speaking peace to our chaotic world. He's enough. He's the king. He's enough. If all you had was Jesus, is he enough for you this morning? Jesus is the king. And does he care? Yes. Is he in control? Yes. So church, as we close, the king is here. And the king is in control. He's over the coronavirus. He's over global pandemics. Jesus is upholding us by the special word of his power. And Jesus cares. Let's close our time in a word of prayer. Lord, we, lo- we thank you and we love you, Jesus, for working in such a beautiful way through this text. Lord, we love our church. We thank God for everybody that's tuning in. Lord, we see you, Jesus, on Palm Sunday as the king. And we exalt you as the king. You're in control of all things, even the things that we cannot see, especially the things we cannot see. Lord, save us. Move in us. Guide us. Lead us. Give us perseverance to walk by faith. Jesus, help us to recognize you as the king. And Jesus, even now, in the quietness of people's hearts, may you speak peace. May you speak salvation. May you speak growth. May you speak joy into the hearts of our people. Jesus, may you conquer people's hearts and minds today. Help us respond to you in worship and praise. In your name we pray, God. Amen.